All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Good morning, everybody. Mike DiCarlo, paging Mike DiCarlo. <laughs> Man, <laughs> when your computer is not happy in the morning, it is not happy in the morning. We almost missed that one. Woo. Just got yeah. things fired up just in time. We're not already had lunch. Do you know how late we are? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Good morning, for, everyone. How's it going? Those, for those of you joining us, this was a hot entry. Hot <laughs> entry. <laughs> just literally showed up like all right we're starting the plane (laughs) so for whatever reason when my graphics card updates it needs like a couple restarts before things are just happy takes a takes a bit this morning was it the 40 degrees now all of a sudden i don't know man man. the cold weather's coming in yeah craziness gnarly so let's uh any kind of interesting things happening across the uh the landscape or the space while you were in Legoland, Mike, I Uh-oh. sent you a link because Power BI is like, hey, we really want Mike DiCarlo's feedback on metrics. I did fill that out. You did. I, you I did. did. Fill it out. I found some very, I had some very interesting thoughts, but I'm sure you guys did too. Um, I'll, I'll put that link in here now. Seth, did you see the survey link for the, the metrics app? I saw the link, yes. Did you click it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Real quick, just look at some of the images. Look at the pictures. Okay. One, one point of contention here, and I don't know if, you know, if anyone from Microsoft's listening, the, all one of you, um, um, there's something weird going on the, on the Microsoft website. There typically was a Power BI blog, I guess, website. So you could go to blog.powerbi.com, and it would take you right to the blog of the website. If you go to blog.powerbi.com now, oh, now it's fixed. Yesterday I was getting all kinds of weird errors and it was not taking me to the blog of the website and it no longer says blog.powerbi.com. It now cha- it routes you to powerbi.microsoft.com. Something was, something, they've been rearranging things on the site and it's been messing up all my shortcuts and links. Oh, that's oh. where, that's the crux of the problem. Yeah. That is shortcuts. What you thought of metrics. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, like, why is this a deal, Mike? I mean, <laughs> stuff changes, redirects all the time. I know, but, but if it's, it's breaking for, links, I get it. I get it. Well, I was going in, I was hitting blog.parby.com and it was just going to like a 404 page. It says pages unsecure. I was like, what in the world? So it looks like it's been fixed now today. But yesterday it was not happy, very much not happy. Kind of feels like when they took away your shortcuts. Oh man, I um. So I believe I believe. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. Tangent. When I was when I was in Denmark and there was an ask me anything with the Microsoft product team and the des- the lead designer is there and I said, hey, any chance we can get our uh quick access? Uh, there's no comment. There, nothing, nothing happened. I don't know when that's coming nothing, back ever. Nothing. Ever. Dead topic. Dead topic, Dead topic, even after they told you they were doing it. I was like, every work. other office tool has it. Excel, Word, they have all got it. Why can't we, like, yeah. your own Actually, PowerPoint for data? You need, to, you need to rephrase the question. Why right. don't you build it back where it was better the well, first time? No, no, no. <laughs> in, a, in a world, in a world, in a world, in a world where we're trying to make Power BI like PowerPoint, PowerPoint has this feature. That's true. <laughs> when When is this coming? To, to Power BI. To Power BI and the people rejoice. <laughs> you can try to circumvent my question all you want, Mike. But Microsoft is trying, speaking of shortcuts and quick, neat new features, what do you think of the survey? I thought it was good. I thought there were some good thoughts of, you know, it kind of, uh, they're teasing out some good ideas in there. Um, I definitely, they were talking a lot about, like, which were these visuals made the most sense? And I think, um, I don't know, I, I felt like it was a, a good summary of kind of giving them, giving some f- thoughts on where they're trying to, to continue to build into metrics. I got to be honest, I don't use metrics periodically. And my thing, the, the, the hesitation I have right now, it really is around making sure that there are ample reports behind it to feed the data from so that they continually work. Yeah. If you do, and I, don't, I don't know how that works. If you like delete a report or if it comes delinked somehow. I haven't really played with it that much. They had a few new features where, or at least testing it out, at least on the image where you had that your scorecard, but you could actually use drop downs as filters. So it's like dimensions, like geography, feature, usage, frequency, 
demographics and you could actually change the goal real time, which I thought was a neat little touch. Now, interesting feature. Again, I can't really speak to metrics a ton just because I don't, I don't really use it as much or I only demo it at this point. Seth, I feel like you literally your mouth is somewhat open, so I think you may have something to say. No, I, I, oh. we, Seth loves that. We, I feel, I feel, Tommy, I feel that we let you down. Like you That's got it. so excited about this metric survey, and and that you, you were saying this was the the key part that we didn't pick up on. Well, no, I'm actually intrigued because the as I was going through the survey, especially with our previous podcast on the mental models. I'm realizing yeah. more and more the metrics is really in a game of itself in the Power BI ecosystem where there needs to be a sense of adoption with metrics. You can't just roll this out and expect people to use it because I'm looking at like one of the things, one of the survey questions was uh, in this concept, you see an overview of metric and it looks like just a normal gross profit goal. It's like rank the statements. Like I understand the importance of this. It's important to see the visualization, the metric. I'm like, I don't really know what any of this means because it goes. And then I realized it goes back to our concept conversation where if, if I don't really care about gross profit or I don't know if it's 5% close to goal or 5% over goal, what does that affect? The visual itself does not have a lot of value. Even if you have drop downs and you have something to a target, well, that's like that data um, mental model, like compared to what in what in my world, like what does it actually matter? But truly, and if you're going to roll out metrics, there's really no feature or no software or no UI that they could add to it. That's not going to make it, I think, really successful unless there's a whole adoption program around the metrics itself. And that's unlike anything in the Power BI ecosystem outside of Power BI itself. So I guess I'm on this kick right now around things that are certified versus like promoted at this point. And I think there was a couple questions around how can you trust a metric? And I thought that part for me was very relevant because if you go like halfway through the survey and I'm actually clicking through the survey now so I can speak more to the images that I saw, they have this concept of a metric in there where they have like, you know, it's basically around gross profit, has a little blurb of text. It has a total number as of a certain date. And then it gives you like, oh, it was 5% month over month. And, um, you know, it gives you on the chart where you could have like more interactivity right. or you could say, um, to your point, Tommy, there's like some dimension drop downs in the bottom there, which I thought was interesting. I just, I'm trying to figure out how do I match this? Like, if you have different dimensions, how are you going to match the goals or the target to all of the different dimensions? Because now you need to have goals mm -hmm. broken out by each type of dimension, geography, feature, whatever. So I'm thinking, I'm trying to like, rec you know, in my mind, put together the data pieces, right? How would I build this so we could have all the goals of all the different pieces rolled up so I could then cut those goals and the actuals against those numbers? And I think I understand it in concept. I think it's going to be kind of a lot of data work and management to get all that together. Well, I think that goes back to, there's a different framework of a mindset. There's a different way of thinking and building that we're going to have to do if, if metrics are going to be successful. I'm still in the belief that metrics can be one of the more impactful features of Power BI, but not just by rolling it out by one person. Like there is a mindset at an organization and there has to be some adoption to it. I, th I, I think I agree with you when we talk about like a certified data set where there is a robust procedure behind it and we're measuring something like, so let's, for example, let's, let's pick out a metric that would be, I think would be a relevant metric to, to put on your plate. Like you like talk about just the Power BI environment, the number of users using reports, the number of workspaces being created. Like I'm not saying that there's a goal to show you how many you're supposed to be meeting, but I think there's, if you're trying to show adoption of things, you're looking at numbers like that to see how your organization is actually using Power BI. And I think that's a very much of a mystery to people right now on how much content is being created and who's using what. So and maybe those things would be good, a, a relevant report around that. And then you'd share that with your center of excellence, yeah. right? That would be an, a metric that's around that. But again, outside of this world of Power BI, if there's no accountability around a metric or a goal, 
it's not going to have a lot of value. Like I'm not going to view it every day or really rely on it unless there's something tied to it. That's you can't really build in a technology. And that's where power BI is very, or this goal, this metric feature is very different than just a drill through feature or bookmarks where that's something kind of embedded in the report itself. To me, this is really feeling more and more like a new, a different tool, a different framework. I, yeah, I can see that. I think further on in the survey is where I got really interested was when you looked at the different metrics and you're able to say, hey, look, there's a data scientist too. And, you know, here's how many times, how many uses were this, was this metric used by and how many views did it receive? And also had something interesting here. It said, safe of data anomalies checked two hours ago, which could be quite interesting, especially if you're refreshing data in your data set, that it's actually doing some level of anomaly detection. So I think it's interesting. I, I'll be interested to see where this goes and what kind of features come out of it. I'm guessing all this stuff would just have to be get uh, pulled out and put on the roadmap at some point and eventually be communicated. I'm very Anyways. interested on the roadmap. We'll, we'll see where yeah, it goes. There's an interesting dynamic here that has to roll up and that I hadn't really thought about before. But <clears throat> I mean, it's it's kind of a cool feature that metrics can be tied into visuals, but that means after you roll out your metrics, all your teams either have reporting that ties into metrics yes. or, you're, or you're building it all. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And if your metrics, like I could see some standardization in some areas, but others might be completely different year to year. Right. So does that mean yeah. you're rebuilding how you track your, 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 you know, OKRs or OGSMs over here? If that's Maybe, what you're going to use. We, this we had to do that twice. We had a, we had a, when metrics rolled out two years ago, we started using them <clears> in one of our reports and it was tying everything. But when the next year came out with new targets, yeah. there, it was no easy way to transition that. So mm -hmm. that is a good point. So I, yeah, this is the challenge when I think, so I guess you have to really understand your business and have very clear mm -hmm. objectives, especially at the OKR level. Um, what does that stand for? OKR? Objective key results. Yeah. Objective key results. Really I think if you identify those first, I think metrics falls in line much better with the scenario. But if you don't have those and you're just trying to start with metrics, yeah. that it, it's going to be confusing. Right. It, it, you need to, you know, step back and plan a bit more. Start with an uh, the OKRs. What what drives our business? What does that look like? And then from there, you can step forward to all the other OKRs. Yeah, but that trickles down, right? Like, and that's where I I can see metrics being valuable, but it would have to roll up into those overall. Which I think it does now, right? You have the hierarchy of, of metrics, right. but every team implements those things, those strategies differently, right? They yes. impact the different the, the business in different ways. So it's not like you can just use a template year to year. Right. That's true. <clears throat> and you got to remember too, like we when Power BI came out, we the technology was force feeding the people in process, like because we basically said we're going to use Power BI and mm -hmm. here's how everyone adapts. Metrics does not cannot work that way. It has to go the other way around where the people and process have to be in place on what we're going to do in that framework. And then you rely on that metrics technology, but point. there's no way to force feed it the other way. Good point. Speaking about force feeding. <laughs> My yeah. kid, Adopt. Oh, oh, sorry. Adopt. Let's <laughs> get into the main topic. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about adoption stuff. User adoption, organizational adoption, the solution adoption. I think I think so. I'm I'm really loving the, the additions or the updates that Melissa Coates has been doing on um, her administration and governance. There's a whole section from her on just adoption and data culture, thoughts around what that looks like. And when I read through the, the content, I feel like this this topic is awesome because it it feels like, so. She kind of notes that there's three kind of parts of adoption. And these are also coming from the Microsoft documentation as well. You have like user adoption, people, organizational adoption, process, solution adoption, technology. I feel like it fits very well with like our, how do, how do we adopt things across these different patterns? So let's, let's uh, maybe let's, let's step back on the, on the whole high level here. All right, Tommy, we're going to talk about communication around adoption to our stakeholders. What does that look like to you? And maybe let's just define we should probably define out what is a stakeholder and what and how does that relationship work with uh, the the BI team or the community of practice or center of excellence, which you, whatever you want to call it. 
Yeah, I think when we say stakeholder here, we're really speaking about that executive sponsor and the overall adoption program or the overall adoption project. Yeah. Executive sponsor, as we said a few times, and I think we are close to agreement where this is maybe the vital piece. This is the ring in the sense of Lord of the Rings where you need mm -hmm. that executive sponsorship. And this is usually a senior executive, someone the chief executive officer, CEO, CTO, CIO, chief data officer. If you got one, really should be on board with this. But it needs to be someone at your organization who, one, has sway and uh, um, can actually lead. And if you want to do something, can actually influence the organization to adopt something, to change their process as someone in a leadership position. And it's someone who can uh, influence other teams. And that's really that top-down approach. But we've, I think we've all agreed that's kind of the way to do it. So I, I think you're um, – one thing I'd like to quantify as like a stakeholder, I feel like that stakeholder individual is someone who can talk to the higher levels of the organization that can remove blockers and set strategy – across teams or at least work with teams to set strategy for whatever the BI or Power BI initiative is looking like. Would you kind of agree with that, Seth, from like a stakeholder definition? Could be a director, yeah, I mean, could be a C it, like level, I don't know. No, it's definitely C-suite. Yeah. Right? Or, or at least has a SVP or, you know, some title that, that can sway. Yes. Right? <clears throat> Your stakeholder, you gotta get, like you, you got to get buy-in at that level. 100% you do. Yes. Yeah. And this is one of the things that when you listen to Matthew Roach communicate to anything around Power BI adoption, adoption roadmaps, he says every project will is successful when there's a identified stakeholder at the VP or C level of your organization that is sponsoring or supporting or um, uh, championing, you know, this initiative. And then, so that I think is kind of just a given. If you don't have that, you're kind of like the tail wagging the dog and you know you might get varying results Revol results may vary at that point in time it's going to be much harder i think for you to um do what you need to do and govern power bi in an organization that doesn't have at least a strong vision or leadership level of what this could look like yeah and, and they you know i mean in in the article that like of the adoption roadmap they outline there is two different ways you can do the bottom up but it's a lot harder and it's probably only going to work in really small organizations right because ultimately <clears throat> Where our conversation is right now. Oh, oh, oh. And my voice is going <laughs> is, um, you know, you, you have to have that, that individual that can open the doors for you to implement new processes, new, new frameworks within the organization. And that requires resourcing, right? Yes. Like whether it's new or pay, taking parts of existing, you know, to enable uh, a full adoption strategy, right? Even as outlined or, you know, in the Microsoft documentation or parts of that, mm -hmm. you need buy-in. You need yeah. the organization to say, yeah, this is valuable. Yeah. Right. And support because, it. And, and if you there's don't There's going to be financial that, cost and there's going to be a people yeah. cost to it. 100%. Right. Yeah. Okay. Two points. At first, I'll listen to the entire Audible book with that voice. I'm getting, I'm but, getting, I'm getting blasted. Be like, you can't quit now. Yeah. Even if you made 30 minutes. Well, like, sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, phenomenal. We'll, we'll truck through it. <laughs> right. We're going to make it. But I think too, you made a really good point that even if you don't have that executive sponsorship in the onset, you need it for the overall success because you may be able to survive or at least begin the adoption program project without a C-level uh, stakeholder a buy-in, but you eventually at some point you're going to need it. Yep. And I think that's, that can't be understated. We've said this a uh, hundred times at least now on this program or this podcast, but this conversation, we've, we are all agreement where at some point in the process, not only do you need someone to buy in, but you need someone to agree with your or the BI team's vision for what yes. BI is going to be. Not just, yeah, we'll do BI, but there how, needs to be how that. Far do you, yeah. How far do you take that though, right? Like one of the things you said was, oh, you can start without an executive sponsor. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of work I wouldn't want to engage in until I had that. Mm. So like what, what, how That's far good. would you go, Tommy, or before, yeah. you know, preparing well, I think slides or a convincing deck or whatever? <laughs> 
well, this, before this, you went at an executive sponsor. Well, so I think there's actually in the Microsoft Docs, and again, this I think this is a, a relevant point here. There's two patterns. There's a top-down pattern. You identify the executive sponsor, and you work from there down across the entire part of the organization. And they also speak to the bottom-up approach, which I've seen work well in, 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 in a business unit, right? So you basically build a mini team that's around you have kind of have the executive sponsor but inside a single group right it's the marketing group it's the category management group it's a department of people that you start from and then you can build a system that has someone who understands data and bi they can bubble up and they can uh, you can you can have successes and wins and the win of that department <coughs> can then help the company see that, hey, we actually do need someone to govern and manage this. And I think I think the end goal is to eventually always get yeah. that top level expo executive sponsor. But I think you can start in a business unit, prove that there is success and value being produced. And the example they give in the Microsoft documentation is finance. The finance team starts working with data, starts finding <laughs> success with it, able to produce reports faster, better, more accurate, easy to share. That success of that team, a leader may come out of that group that is then brought into or or has been you know promoted into or or brought into that area where they can push more of that initiative around data and business intelligence. So that that would be one way that I would yeah. see it working. Tommy, you? Yeah. So I, I think to to your question, like at what point uh, does it start on early? And I think the way you do it is if you are doing it in sub a subset of teams, you have to be able to then prove at some point here's why this is valuable because again at this at this point you don't have a c-level who's bought in not that they're not going to but they don't see the value and i think that's what we have to communicate that's what we have to continually whether we're starting off or uh, throughout the process you have to show the value of having power bi mm -hmm. and what's that doing for teams whether that's a use case for like we're doing a subset of sales mm -hmm. or it's for an entire department going, hey, look at what we're doing. Not just here's a neat report. We're getting this feedback from people. They're no longer doing Excel. We're saving this time. And so it has to be enough time if you're going bottom down to where you can show the fruits of it. You can actually show the benefits. Yep. But truly, it's going to be early. This is not something because here's the thing without executive sponsorship, it's always going to be early in the process because you can't, there's a very low ceiling. What do you mean by early in the process? Early in the adoption process, like <clears throat> oh, overall yeah, organizational over, adoption. Overall organizational yeah, yeah, yeah. adoption. I do, I, would agree. I do like yes. Mike. I do like your your refreshing my memory. How you kind of exploded things in in your organizational unit yep. into the larger org, like. But yep. so that that would actually be, I think, in my mind, an example of how you would. Yes. Uh, start to push into in a larger organization by having yes. a business unit that shows that adopting these strategies yes is has a, some has, level of value as a business outcome and typically yes. like the whole the whole outline of why you go through these efforts is to create a much more efficient and effective yes. organization right yep. like and yep. if yep. you can prove that out through not just a uh like here's a really good idea and some examples that I have of why we should adopt this, but it mm -hmm. relates to, Hey, here's what we implemented a year ago. Yes. Right. Here were our numbers before that. And mm -hmm. because we did these things, we yes. were this much more better, better at it. Right. Like that much more better, that, yeah, exactly that what I would much use. more better. Mm -hmm. it, re it reinforces a key driver that will pique the interest of that, that executive level where they're like, okay, well, this makes a lot of sense. Like exactly in these use cases, this is why we, we like, we don't have the insights over here. We struggle with all of these things. Mm -hmm. This would solve that. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's where, a... that's where you start to get a kind of a, you know, uh, the snowball starts to grow Correct. because, because it's just a matter of people understanding where and how implementing an overall strategy would really help facilitate the removal of a lot of pain points within the org that they probably see every single day. And I think there's a couple key, what I would call levers here that are helping you, helping the organization decide whether or not a Power BI or a single BI tool is worth their time, right? I think there's one, there's a monetary lever that's purely dollars. Can I, can I get the BI stuff done that I need to with a certain amount of money? And I typically find this being like initially in companies, or at least when I was starting with Power BI, 
one of the levers was just, hey, we've already paid for Excel. Do everything in Excel. It's already paid for. There's no added cost for using that tool. So there's kind of a lever there. Organizations that have like an E5, by default, they're getting Power BI Pro licenses. So there's already like another like, okay, well, we can use this tool or we can go buy another tool, uh, a tool that starts with a T that costs $35 a license and $75 a license if you want all the bells and whistles or whatever that is. Seth's laughing. I think that's funny. Um, but there, there, are, are, there are other tools out there. And so, you know, you again, now there's like a, there's a monetary lever. Okay, which lever am I going to push for the monetary piece? And then there's, I think, a really good point in the chat here. Um, uh, uh, Robin is, is talking about uh, how do you identify or trying to find those high value time savers and then find those low hanging fruits to make things more efficient. And I found that to be very true when I was rolling up Power BI and kind of like the department level. And then I was sharing the value of what I was producing to people that were regularly consuming data. So to me, I think there's this monetary lever and then there's like this time and, and, and you know, effort lever that's also there. But I feel like it's much harder to quantify the effort. The effort is more challenging yeah. because I, you I do don't really, to... oh, you don't sorry. know, like you, you can't really tie in. It's, it's easy to measure a number, a dollar, right? It's harder to measure, hey, Mike saved four hours this week. Okay. But, like it's harder. It's just harder to quantify. Yeah. I would say having, having the use cases is a stronger argument than the conversation. However, to your point, um, if you're trying to make a case for adoption, mm -hmm. right. Or, or increase the data culture and you don't have an executive sponsor. Yeah. I do think something you could leverage is trying to communicate across the business units to try to find what that big thing is yes. that you would you would identify just through conversation right like and that could be many of the types of conversations we've had in the past like hey what what manual things are you doing every single day to generate some yes. sort of report right yes is there some big thing on the end of the month and i guarantee every department has one and typically in finance it's like oh yeah we we carve off an entire week right where we, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we start exporting data and then we run it through our filter process in Excel and right. then we have like 500 tabs and then we roll it back yes. up. And so there's a lot of different, you know, business units yeah. that have those challenge points. And if you were to identify those, like those make a, a much stronger case when you're, you know, initially pushing up for um, saying like, this is an important th strategy for the organization. This is why we would do that. Here are some areas within each of the business units that we could attack right away yeah. to gain you know, that sort of visibility and um, efficiency in the organization. Yeah, it, it, it's an information risk where what would be the risk of not having this tool in place? Like, and I think that's, that's where just, I was going. Tom. Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, 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 make yeah. that exact point. And, and, and that is somewhat quantifiable. Robin makes a great point here. It says implementing something that will save the company hundreds of hours right. is kind of self-evident, right? right? The, the folks on the floor, the people using the tools and finding the savings will say, oh, this is so great. So-and-so implemented X, Y, Z. And so there's a little bit of like a, right. you know, a, 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 a voice, right? When you, when people are meeting needs, finding problems, solving solutions, there is this level of communication from the people doing the work up. And I think, Tommy, you make a great point here. And that's where I was going with this was if you take that tool away, now you have people who are like, this was so much better when I had X, Y, Z. And so, you know, by using some of that, like, you know, when, if the, if a decision is made, like, no, we're not going to use this or, Hey, we're going to clamp down, whatever that thing is. You now get people complaining about, well, it was, you know, X, Y, Z, and we need this thing or, uh, and, and you now have a little bit, it's now ingrained in the culture. You've kind of changed a bit of the data culture. And when you start pulling back, mm -hmm. that's when people start getting angry and people start working around solutions because they needed that tool that you had yeah no a thousand yeah percent. but you I, I i kind of agree right in some cases if you have the flexibility and freedom you can you can you you should be streamlining your processes if you know of processes that you could save hundreds of yes. hours a year yes it's worth the investment yes. it's not always that easy in in some companies though because like if they're the harder and more complex something is or it takes the really long to do a manual process correct those those are those are significant time investments, right? I would agree. You don't 100%. you don't just get the, the the free check, right, from the business to be like, oh, you're gonna do what? Oh, yeah, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna make a an entire data warehouse. We already have. Yeah, we already have this, and you're gonna spend you know the next four weeks fixing it. What does that mean, right? Like, so right. 
while I agree with it in principle, sometimes there are definitely conversations that have to happen and do have to convince people um, that sure. we've identified something that it is worth the effort of you being the technolo technologist in some you know way, shape, yeah. or form to invest a bunch of time in going and automating something. And I 100% agree. It's valuable, but sometimes think, it's not as easy. Well, a lot. Yeah, go ahead, because I want to put a scenario here because we're talking a lot about yeah. trying to get someone to buy in. Well, I'm going to make a good point. I think, Seth, you made a great point there, right? If you're taking the bottom-up approach, if you're trying to add value at the the, the org, like a, a team level and then communicate the successes of that to the broader organization, you're kind of, one, finding a bit of an uphill battle, um, and you are kind of limited in the size of scope of projects you can take on. To your point, Seth, right? A bigger investment of like a four-week, two-month-long data engineering project around fixing a big problem, or you see in, you're, you're kind of really focused on that one department. You're focusing on that particular team. And one note I want to bring up here is when you take that bottom-up approach, you potentially are bringing in a lot of technical debt that goes along with this. Because if you imagine like two departments, you know, one department figures out some best practices and maybe they share some of their best practices with another department, but you could have two departments kind of running independently and doing kind of their own thing to some degree. And if at some point in time, the organization says, yes, this is good. We're going to adopt this whole thing across the organization. Now you've got some layer of like alignment on different departments doing different things. And maybe the tools flex enough to allow for that. But on the other hand, you know, who's going to be the power BI admin? How are you going to get things certified? I think there, I think there are things at some point you want to align on what those, uh, is, sooner than later to the executive level to get alignment of what the strategy would be for the broader part of the organization. That's kind of where I was going because I think we're talking a lot about the initial buy-in, but I think there's a, a really pivotal piece here. And especially when we're talking about communication to the stakeholder throughout the process of adoption, it's not just to say the executive sponsorship says, yeah, we're going to do power BI. Great. Your communications ended. Absolutely not. There's a continual communication that we need to do on what the objectives are for BI, how we're going to roll it out, what what deems success for Power BI or business intelligence adoption that we need to have that constant communication. And I've seen kind of both scenarios, right, where you've had uh, someone intimately involved in wanting that communication from a stakeholder and someone who did not care about the communication and what that does. So I guess let me ask in the event in at least in the scenario of you are rolling out Power BI or you have Power BI at your organization, what does communication consist of? Like, what are you actually communicating to your stakeholder on a routine, uh, um, uh, on a routine basis? Rephrase that. Can you say that again? What are you communicating throughout the adoption process, not just the initial okay. buy-in on yes. a routine basis? So. I think there's so conversations that are happening with stakeholders, right? So we're talking about those higher level people in the organization. I think first and foremost, that business unit or the person who's leading the BI initiative, um, I think there's definitely um, a, a plan that should be put in place. There should be thinking about like a quarterly plan of kind of like key measures and key objectives, right? So I think there's, I think there's at least a roadmap the same way that Microsoft presents a roadmap. Hey, we're, we're, Here's some, here's one or two key projects that we think are important. We're going to work, we're going to focus on these. We're going to put these in place. Um, I think the, I think the establishment and communication of a community of practice and or a center of excellence. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm learning more about these as I read in more about from the Microsoft documentation and reading from, from Melissa's documentation as well. The community of the center of excellence is the people that talk about policy figure out what's the best practices in the company. And they work on identifying the best, biggest projects kind of in the organization to bring to leadership and say, hey, we've got this sales problem, right? The sales team doesn't is doing all this stuff in Excel. We think we could do a better solution around this. We'd like, to, we'd like to spend time or effort around building that thing. Or we'd like to work with this team member on a spoke of our hub and spoke approach. And we'd like to invest some time here to make this, because this is a critical data point for our organization, right? They should be bubbling that information up to executive leadership. What do you think, Seth? I, I agree with a lot of those points, right? Like in, in initial stages, finding key projects so that that 
that team kind of reinforces that that key driver, right? Like, why are we building this? Why are we doing these things? A lot of the times it's going to be the BI team that is like the main driver behind the COE. Um, but key projects for visibility, because those are like, those yes. probably in completion be the things that within an organization, people are like, whoa, did you hear about yeah, this yes. thing that we, we yeah, did, right? Exactly. Um, and then at the same time, I think it's important because we're, we're talking about initial startings, right? Yeah. to out outline the team or the the members that are going to be either part of or responsible in your, your different areas right like you you outline community of practice <clears throat> which is great typically been at business units etc who who's going to be running governance you know mm -hmm. are there other players within here that are going to have responsibilities in this new framework as you would like envision it scaling right right so Outlining those team members just to start to have the meetings and the conversations, right? Because ultimately, I think we've talked about this a little bit. I think it's really important to to build out the the framework of how this is going to work within your organization, mm -hmm. and then and then start to have the conversations of where do you fill in the process between these teams and how things go within the organization, so that as you roll something out in a first phase, because I think you know the phasing or versioning is important. Um, people at least have really clear because when you when you push it out to the audience, right, the masses, yeah. they need really clear direction. Like those yeah. are the initial processes I think that you need to have in place. And if it's rolled out to a particular business unit first, right, like your your main maybe, maybe like ideally you'd have a business unit that's heavily using Power BI and they can give you a lot of feedback and like mm -hmm. what, what works and what doesn't work, etc. Yep. Like having that first framework and process development done and baked i think is important for success within here because otherwise it you know you you try to push something out too early and if people don't either feel the need to adopt your process or there isn't the weight behind it and this is also i think one of the values of having a stakeholder like you're not you're not the the manager just rolling something out to the organization the executive stakeholder is saying this is how we're going to do things. The expectation is that you follow these processes because there's a lot of value behind here. And I think that's one of the hardest challenges of rolling out new things in an organization is getting that buy-in from everybody. And that's where that top-down sometimes, um, not sometimes, top-down always helps uh, push those, th those initiatives through. That's a really good point because I think we have to be understanding as we're going through the process. And I think whatever level of maturity you're at, the adoption plan and how you roll it out is going to be affected based on the personality of your stakeholder. Because one, we have to communicate. <laughs> well, I mean, how it's yeah. rolled out could be dictated by, by no, two different you, styles. Sure. Yeah. But the thing is, because part of communication is also us listening to the stakeholder on what they're unhappy about. Like, hey, you know, I'm glad you're doing this, but I see a lot of reports that look X, Y, and Z. This is what I want you to focus on. Mm. We have to be willing to compromise. If we say we want to do governance, we really need a governance program. We're going to have to sell it, but we're going to also have to agree uh, saying, hey, we are going to put some budget and effort towards this. This stakeholder may feel more around uh, getting the numbers right or getting people to use Power BI more or more targeted reports. Whatever you know, that person's objectives are or his mindset or his expectations for adoption is, is greatly, we're going to have to be willing to compromise in that too. And that means we have to listen. Um, I think the communication is a routine thing where we're going with the plan, whether that's here's our biannual plan, here's our six month plan, what, what we like to do, maybe we buy in, but that's also going in. How are we getting to that? How close are we to that? And if something changes and I've seen pivoting where it's like, I know we wanted to do this in the next six months, but I'm getting, a, I'm hearing a lot of people say they don't trust the data or I'm getting a lot of people still using other tools. This is where I want you to focus. And I think we have to be always on that communication on the, that agreement on what we're going to work on and what that value is. Yeah. I really, oh, like, there's so many things. I really like the talking. comment that, that Robin made, right? So there, there's, he, he says in Sweden, you can't push top down. If folks do not see the value, they won't simply do it. We always need to push bottom up in order to get success. So 
I, I like that because it spawns kind of a different idea as part of part of a rollout, right? Mm -hmm. Which which would ease adoption is part of that initial strategy of big wins should probably be in those areas where you can do a top down, should probably be engaging with each business unit or those those folks that would be, you know, your champions and show them the value of of what it is that Power BI and having the data culture and data access, you know, mm -hmm. can do for their business unit, right? So you're preemptively kind of putting the tooling into their processes and showing how there's a lot of benefit to adopting, you know, this new tool and what they're trying to do yep. or open the doors to different um, ways in which you're producing value from your data sources to them and how they can access it so that when it comes around to the larger messaging saying, hey, we're going to be doing these things, they're, they would be excited about it as opposed to like, whoa, what are you doing? What? What? You're, right. you're, you're disrupting my my daily? Um, so I, I like that, that comment because it kind of threw me in that direction as part of something I would do. There's you guys are talking about so many good things. So I'm, I'm literally listening to you guys talk, and I have like a whole litany of things now that I've been written down in the uh, in the notes so far. So I mean, we talked about like kind of like quarterly reviews, roadmaps. We kind of all agreed, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I definitely think when we're talking with what we're doing to communicate up to leadership is to plan out, or part of that planning process is you know making sure that we're communicating about what is the center of excellence, where is the community of practice. Where do we put our policies? How do we, where you know how are those being communicated out to the broader part of the organizations? I think that that really shows a lot of thought put around the process of how do we um, leverage Power BI to the company. Um, and then I think there's a lot of a lot of area around here about the you know when working with that executive leadership, you should be communicating what kind of rules and policies make sense to your organization. Like, what's our training plan? When like. What does that look like? If there's someone, if there's a handful of new people in your organization, what does that look like? Do we do we push them to some kind of thing? Do we have them pay to go to some training somewhere? Do we bring someone in in on site to you know? Is what does that plan look like? I think there's a lot of options. I mean, we would all agree that I think we've all learned Power BI pretty much from just reading blogs, articles, playing with stuff on on Microsoft, reading what, what their documentation is saying. So we've learned kind of via the internet. Anyone else could do that. But I think sometimes you're trying to condense that down and 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 uh, quickly educate in a in a pattern. So I think communicating what what a training plan looks like, how to get someone from nothing yeah. to uh, capable in Power BI, and then a lot of this is around. I feel like there's questions here that need to be answered and uh, be again communicate back up to leadership. Right? Who who can create a workspace? What does that look like? Right? Um, how are we re how are we going to share content versus internal versus external? What does that look like? Um, you know, when do we make the decision between pro licenses and premium? Because people will just ask for premium because like, oh, I think I need it. Microsoft says we got to have it. Now there's demands for that. So what is the decision? <laughs> like, I got to have it. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I've had conversations like that, but people are just like, well, Microsoft says we get premium because we want, you know, we are whatever, whatever the reasons are. But there are decision points, I think, around saving the company money and just not lighting up premium and just, you know, just turning it on and everything run wild. Um, I think you need a process around, you know, how do you take um, self-service BI pieces that the organization is creating and how do you promote them and make them like a certified level or a governed data set, right? Because there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of ideas that are created by the company. A couple of those ideas are going to be great and we can refine them and we can, the individual, what we don't want, here, let me say it this way. What we don't want is someone to build this great idea and then win a million dollars, lead the company, and now no one knows how to run it. It, it becomes this, this essential part of the business that is only owned by one person. The, the center of excellence or that communication to executive leadership should be looking at what's happening in your Power BI environment. And again, that's a whole other thing, tracking, right? How do we track all this stuff? That's very nebulous in my mind. But you know, tracking what's there, figuring out what's valuable, what's being used most frequently, and then identifying, does that stuff need to get governed? Or do we just leave it in the self-service space where other people can manage it? Like, I don't know. I'm not, if I were for making critical decisions on sales numbers or who's selling what, where in the business, I'm not sure I'm willing to let that live inside an Excel sheet that's being loaded into Power BI from a SharePoint page. Maybe we need to have a better process around that. Yeah. Anyways, you, those are, those are yeah. kind of like my initial thoughts, you know, I don't know. There's so many, so many other no, ideas here. And I, and I think you raised some really good points about the, 
the recipe of communication with the stakeholder and what the things that are that need to be brought up when you are communicating with the stakeholder is like where we are from mm -hmm. an adoption point of view, what projects yes. are going on, where do we want to be? We really want to bring in more of the, you know, like that workspace management or that we want to do Power Bay apps or something high level for the stakeholder. Because again, you're not, the stakeholders not going to care about who's creating a workspace, so to speak. Like they're right. going to keep ownership, but they don't need to know the technical. So where do we want to go? What value that's going to be? Like if we're going to roll out a governance or a data champions program, well, mm -hmm. here's the value having it compared to where we're at now and then how are we going to get there how long it's going to take and i think however we communicate on what routine basis reoccurring basis we need to always come with those four aspects to the stakeholder so they know that because again they're cared about and whatever i'm buying into is it proving value am i buying into the right thing and the right people yes and do i know there's a plan in place um, is is it addressing the problems, the reason why I'm buying into this? And I think we have to always be aware of what is that stakeholder's problems? They're relying on you or the team or the technology to solve something that was unsolvable before. Mm -hmm. And we need to always be able to address those things and how we're going to get there to solve it and what that value is going to be. Well, I think I that's think, a great, great point. I think I think the value of of this conversation and data culture and the adoption roadmap and strategy is something that I talked about in in one of my presentations. Yeah. I, I I mean, not to be. It's okay. You can be. What's the appropriate word? It's okay. Right? You like, can be. I yeah. I honestly believe that people in the data world that have tooling like Power BI or other cobbled together equivalents, right, are some of the most valuable people in organizations today. Yeah. Because it's not just a single area, right? Your skills and the ability that we have and our understanding of how to plug into different data sets that are all over an organization allow for speed to insight, right? And then you can come in, come in behind and we've, we talk ad nauseum about how do you standardize that and create better, more automated reliable processes underneath that, but the, it's the first rev of that where you're creating a lot of initial value because of the knowledge that you have. And that's across the business. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like name yeah. one other position in a company that, that can do that. Right. There aren't, exactly. there aren't any. Um, so that's why I think like there's, there's so much value in, in this being a big organizational change kind of thing. <clears throat> One one point that you were going through, Mike, that, that there's a couple things that, as you were t discussing, I come up with. One is really um, like the idea of like the initial training is, is key for yes. resources and yep. ongoing, right? We yeah. talked to Chris. Chris it's got to be a plan. Who, yeah, Rockwell yeah. deployed this, right? Like do yeah. a weekly or monthly power large hours. meeting, yes. power hour, right? Where yep. you're yep. constantly feeding folks new information. Maybe it's new features. Maybe it's business yes. applicable things that Track they it. can do within their reporting. Yes. Maybe like even launching new reports, right? Walking mm -hmm. people through them Training using for that, that yep. forum, right? So yep. that falls heavily into like mentoring yes. and enablement and user support right out of mm -hmm. the gate. Mm -hmm. But it does it does also open up this other idea that we you probably have to be cognizant as you're, you know, communicating and rolling this out that each of these areas is going to be stressed from a resource perspective or a needs perspective at different times. Like in your initial rollout, 100% like expect mentoring enablement user support is going to like, we need to be able to have people that are going to be able to answer questions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In order to gain adoption or gain, you know, an understanding for lay users, how to use this stuff, like people aren't going to be talking about governance, <laughs> right? Initially. <laughs> So yep. like over yep. time, there's going to be in your plan, there's likely going to be areas within, you know, this adoption roadmap and, and data culture that are going to be heavily pressured. And you need to be cognizant of like, how are you going to address those things? Who are the people that are going to do that? And then over time, as you're, you're raising the bar of data literacy in the organization, yep. then there's going to be a time where governance is the hot topic, right? But it's not going to be out of the gate right away. Oh, it's right. not going to be. It's not going to be out of the gate until something goes wrong. Right. Honestly, I mean, I think that's to, most of the time I see this rubber band effect in companies. Right. 
Um, we're all happy, fine and dandy. Everyone's like, yay, great, Power BI. And everyone just kind of like releases it to the wilds and it just goes and then great, everyone's doing their thing. And all of a sudden someone shares something internally in the organization that should not have been shared to the entire organization. And then we go, whoops. And then, and then it snaps back and then the control is all taken away. We, 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 we react to something that didn't have a plan to begin with. And so uh, I think this is also very hard for organizations to some degree because the product Power BI product team, there's so many new features coming out. Metrics just pops up. How are we going to use that? Or, you know, there's this different way of sharing. And now, we're, now we can have a, a workspace that has multiple audiences. There are fundamental things that are coming into um, the, the, the Power BI ecosystem that are regularly adjusting how we Power BI. And if you follow us on like Twitter, like we, and, or even on this podcast, we'll say, this is a game changer. And what wow. we mean is it's literally going to change how you do your work inside Power BI because they keep coming up with new features, composite models, all this other stuff. Like there's just things that are continually adjusting. So I think that training and, and regular meetings yeah. got to be a part of this process. And you have to communicate back to leadership like, hey, look, these things are coming down from the roadmap from Microsoft. These are things that are going to change how we do Power BI. We need to have training around those specific things. So I think those are other areas that we would want to communicate to the leadership saying we're ahead of the curve. We're, we're planning ahead of this stuff. And I think you get more engagement there because then you don't have these slip ups or at least yeah. you're, you're trying to minimize those to some degree. You're, you're getting me uh, uh, jived, fired up, Mike, because I think one, I'm really glad we did the people uh, process technology a series. Because yeah, that's good. I mean, that's like I feel like that's like a neo matrix kind of thing. Like I can see things a little differently now. Mm -hmm. Yes, we've done that, but like the metrics thing or really whatever is coming out with te te technology, we have to be on top of it. But then there's that part of communication on that monthly meeting with a stakeholder going, hey, I know you've really been you've had an issue with not being able to see your main numbers. Well, here's a new technology feature. Here's how it works. Is that something you want to buy into? And if so, let's put together the project plan and how we're going to roll it out. I think what cannot be understated on whatever project or what we want to roll out, like we need more BI people. We are, we want to do, you want to do self-service. Here's how it looks. Whatever the project or the objective stakeholder wants to buy into, we have to communicate and have them understand the cost because us doing that or a team doing that project means we will not be working on other projects. And there has to be that uh, expectation there where, Hey, I know we have these 18 other projects the company's working on that BI is working on. Yes. Well, you have to understand if you want us to roll out self-service BI, it's going to take it. We're going to have to take some things out. Yes. yes. And I, I think yeah. a lot of times this is like almost like an elective, like this mm -hmm. is the ultra committee where it's like, no, you just plan birthday parties. You know, like you're going to just put up the, the, the sparklers in their office. Like this is a resource and a budget that takes time. Yep. And I think we also have to be prepared for that too. We're, if we want to do a hundred things for adoption, we also have to put a time and effort towards that. Yeah, There's I so much good I mean, stuff here. It is, it is one also one of the challenging yeah. things about running a BI team or center of excellence is like, yeah. there, there, there's always a priority list that has to be run across a, a wider audience because every, like you have priorities from, all, the parts all over of our organization yeah, it's hard where where this gets interesting is where you you start to see these really strategic things that can be worked on mm -hmm. where people where the organization starts to pivot towards those because they're longer term big benefits as opposed yep. to the immediate you know thing that is always typically yep. um been been the the basis for all of, all the work that that we're doing um just for our listeners on the podcast that aren't part of the fantastic chat going on <clears throat> One point I did want to make that I thought was really good about the training aspects of things is um, I, I'm a firm believer of any training that you're spending a lot of, <coughs> sorry, a lot of time building as an organization for a wider audience, there needs to be some level of accountability, right? So follow following up with uh, a cert, not just a survey, but like a cert program or something where you're um, making sure people are paying attention. Because mm -hmm. you're you're not it, like this isn't this isn't I think the propensity of many people is to just zone out for large meetings that they're a part yes. of, yes. and 
it can't be a small group of people that are committing so much time to help the benefit of an organization without the the insur- insurance to some degree that there's a fallback of like dude you spent 6 months in these in these meetings you you took all these certifications yeah. and you still don't know how to build a power bi report right like yeah that's true pre- appreciate it but you know find somewhere else where you're going to pay attention that makes total sense um <laughs> So one thing I'd like to just kind of end on here is one one thing I think that's very relevant here, especially talking about executive level things. When we look at maturity levels, there I sent a link here in the in the chat uh, for you guys to look at. So I would, I'd be curious if you check click on that link, and we look at the the different maturity levels for executive sponsorship. And I think this is a really good note to go. Are you a level 100, 300, or 500? Kind of walking through that scale. And I think aligning like the relationship between the BI leads and the executive sponsorship. This is a good scale. Figure out where you're at on this scale and then plan on working to get into the next level. Don't try and get all the way to 500. I think you just you just kind of walk your way up, add a little bit more, try and keep walking your way down that. But I think this is a really good kind of like guideline to measure where you are now currently with executive level leadership. And then you can put in place the communication things that we talked about, right? Monthly or quarterly reviews, a roadmap, establishment of tools that you're going to give back to the community of Power BI, uh, development rules and policies, and then tracking all of it, right? So I think those are the kind of key areas that I'm feeling like are relevant areas you want to talk about. What are your guys' thoughts? These, these, yeah, I 100% agree, right? Not only is this a measuring, like I love the fact that they put this in here, yeah, because not only is it a, a reflection of like, okay, where where are we at? Mm-hmm. But it's also like the high level KPI of like, okay, you know, executive sponsor, we're going to do these things, right? This is yes. this is where we can go. These become my KPIs to some degree, right? right. Like, okay, exactly. if we're investing in this much, are we at a level 200 next year, right? Are we at yes. are we now at a 300 or 400? Or, mm-hmm. you know, five years time, 500, you know, like, yeah, this gives you kind of a path of uh, having those conversations and, and outlining what should be the overall measurement stick to some degree <clears throat> or as much as you can yes. around providing and showing the benefit of all this time and effort that an organization is is going into. Because you'll 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 meet a threshold pretty quickly where you're giving you're getting data to the people you're getting reporting to the people but you still want to keep going you know to down this roadmap yes. and this is where i think it it continues with the the investment in that stakeholder convo no and, I, I think that's phenomenal i, I don't think it'll be understated too that we're establishing a relationship with a person or a group of people where they know our name it's and how important that is because there's going to be give and take there may be a thousand things the BI team wants to do from an adoption point of view. Like we're going to do the center of excellence. We're going to do training office hours, power hours. We're going yes. to have, you know, embedded reports, but that might not be aligned with the sponsorship, the executive sponsorship. And that's okay. I think there's going to be a, a real relationship has that give and take mm-hmm. where we're going to have to do things that we may not agree with where that are as valuable. But we have to trust we also they have to trust us but we have to trust them too because they know the business inside and out and i think that part of the sponsorship can't be understated the relationship side of it and listening to their needs awesome well uh I'm, we probably have hit our time now we're at, at that moment uh well that you've welcome uh, welcome to listen to our very uh unconfrontational episode i think we pretty much agreed on everything that was being said here so oh, sorry no. for those of you who like the confrontations <laughs> we did not disagree on hey, anything so, next week yeah tune in next week well maybe we'll argue about something and it'll be actually be a bit more interesting to listen to but for now you know we just kind of all nodded heads and yeah this is the good stuff to do so um thank you all very much for uh the uh, the comments in the chat here has amazing comments. Uh, people were really jumping in and having great discussion. We really thank you for your time and participation. We're going to try and read those comments and, and make them part of the real discussion. So make sure um, if you like the conversation we're having and you want to get engaged, we'd love you to, to jump online and, and join us on YouTube. Uh, that's a great place. Our only ask here is if you like the podcast, if you like what's going on here, you're getting value from it. Uh, please just share with somebody else, share it on social media, write a little LinkedIn message or share it with someone on Twitter. We really appreciate you uh, communicating that you found some value from this and, you know, maybe got a couple laughs out of it too. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? 
You can find the podcast anywhere they're available. Communicate with your stakeholders, Apple and Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available. Make and sure again, they're all unblocked in your corporate tenant. Yeah. Make sure this is part of your agenda with your, your executive sponsorship. Listen to an episode and oh, discuss. Recommend to your executive sponsor to listen to the Explosive Measures podcast for all the amazing nuggets of wisdom that are coming out of this. Yeah, that's probably not true. Uh, amazing, uh, funny jokes that are coming out of the Explosive Measures podcast. Anyways, all everyone, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate you. Uh, we'll see you next week.